was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad. Just to root for the hometown through every zoo, Katie Blue. On the Saturday, her Well, hello there once again, Town Ball Junkies. This is the Small Town Baseball Commute, and I am your host, Josh Item, as always, coming to you from River Falls, Wisconsin. So, for this episode, we've got my old friend Josh Tegeson, an old teammate. I think the background information you need to know going into this one is that we are teammates for one year at UW-River Falls, and when you hear us talk about uh, what happened at UW-River Falls, that's the program was dropped when I was a junior. Josh was a freshman. And what he went on to do was still play a ton of baseball and have a great uh, few college years with the Red Wing Aces. So we're going to hear a lot about the Aces, and uh, we're just going to hear Josh's story, a lot of good stuff in this one. So let's get right to it. Red Wing Aces, Josh Tegeson. Well, welcome to another episode of the Small Town Baseball Commute. I've got another evening uh, second commute sitting outside of hockey practice as we have with a few of these. So no time like uh, right now to call up an, an old teammate of mine, actually. But we're checking in with the Red Wing Aces, and I've got one of their players on the line, Josh Tegeson. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for joining us on the, on the commute. And, you know, enough small talk since we know each other, so we know we'd just be lying to make small talk. Let's just get into it, man. <laughs> So I like tell, it. I like tell it. Us, uh, yeah. So people that uh, don't know you, tell tell them, tell everybody your backstory of how you got in, into town baseball. And we'll roll from there. You got it. Well, even before that, you mentioned the the teammates, and we were lucky enough to play the final year with the River Falls uh, Falcons, which uh, was an amazing year, and definitely got a lot of memories from that. And so we had a chance to get to know each other from that. I even moved into your house too, which is even better, and lived there for two years and. Got to yeah. relive some of the memories of, of enjoying that my freshman year. So um, kind of cool to reconnect here. And um, But, yeah, baseball, I got introduced 2001, my senior year um, in Red Wing. So I graduated, and I had uh, the then Aces coach, Jim Bombeck, came and approached me. And still remember this day just how excited I was when, when he came up and asked me if I wanted to be a part of the team just because I followed those guys for the last 10, 15 years. My parents brought me up to a lot of games, and – um, super excited to be a part of that, kind of with guys that were role models and, and guys I looked up to. And somehow, 20 years later, I'm still playing, and now I'm the old guy on the team. Yeah, that, I mean, Red Wing there, that's the the field into there is Bombac Drive, um, and that's uh, lots of Bombacks in Red Wing, right, that have been great ballplayers. For sure, yeah. And when you think of baseball in Red Wing, you think of the Bombacks and you think of the Towers. Those are the two families that um, – Multiple brothers, um, cousins played in, in with the Aces, and just some great leaders. And they're, they're the guys that kind of lead the baseball community in Red Wing. have done some great things from improvements to the field to just finding ways to get fans to come down and support us, too. So definitely huge baseball families in Red Wing. Yeah, and even even growing up in Rochester, I, you know, I didn't know a ton about uh, – I've talked before about, you know, where you talked about your parents bringing you down to the Aces games – like I've mentioned before that, you know, going down to amateur games as a kid wasn't just wasn't a thing our family was doing. So, you know, we knew, I knew of the Royals, but I didn't really know the guys on the team until I could start reading the paper. Um, but, uh, but uh, idea, but what I always knew, and I can remember Keith Kangas, I think talking about this, my high school coach, uh, just people talked about Red Wing as just a great baseball town. 
so I, I think we were, I, I remember, maybe I'm making this up, but I remember getting some kind of a speech on the bus the first time we drove up to Red Wing from one of the coaches about when you go up to play at this field, make sure this is a place where you absolutely respect the game, you play the game the right way. This is like, this is a baseball town. This is a baseball place to be respected. And was that something you guys were aware of growing up, or was that something just outside people were perceiving? I think it's a great question. I think one thing I've talked to a lot of guys, just as I've grown older, just kind of getting used to just appreciating things more, telling guys, I'm like, man, we are so fortunate here, and we were so spoiled growing up that we're complaining about the field's not good enough, this or that. And it's like as you get older and you start seeing more fields, you start to really appreciate some of those unique things that you have with, with your field. And just the fact that we've got the setting alone in Red Wing and the fact that people can't find the field because it's tucked into the bluff so bad, but it's it's absolutely gorgeous when you get there. And so as as I've gotten older, I just really appreciate it more. And Red Wing supports baseball so well. The city of Red Wing um, runs the field um, as well as the Amateur Baseball Association of Red Wing. And so we've got kind of full control over the field as to what happens with it. And the city's kind of contributed a ton of money to it as well, too. So super lucky. Um, I mean, just and it's also even look at youth baseball, too. For anybody who's been up at the athletic field, we've got gorgeous youth fields all around the app, and that's probably one of the best things is when we're, when we're playing a Friday night game and the kids are up there playing a game and they get done and they all come and cheer us on. And Plus, they spend a lot of money at the concession stands. Parents buy beers and kids buy a ton mm-hmm. of candy, and that helps support us for the future years, too. So um, definitely lucky, definitely lucky, and I try to preach that to the young kids, too. It's like, man, we are, we're so fortunate here. Don't take it for granted. And and definitely enjoy every game that you get a chance to play. Yeah, so much work has gone into that into that ballpark over the years and such great, great leadership. I want to ask you about um, some of the leaders that you've played with over the years because I know you've played with a lot of them. But I, I, I want to highlight that, what you, what you mentioned there, about, about the ballpark being hard to find because that I hmm. kind of forgot all about that. We've been so – I'm just going to say blessed. Like ever, you can complain about technology in many, many different ways. But I, since the advent of GPS, now I do not get – I don't get lost on the way to that field because I had forgot – you're right, that was a home field advantage for you guys was that yeah. you get lost every time. And we're, like, running <laughs> into the parking lot. I can remember my phone ringing and probably Andy Gibbert calling going, hey, are you guys coming? And I'm like, we've been in the neighborhood for 25 minutes. Can you just, like <laughs> – yell really loud and we'll just try to get to the sound of your voice so. <laughs> that's awesome that is the truth and you talk about a home field advantage there's been so many games where we get down with infield and the team's just scrambling to the dugout trying to throw in their gear and it's like we we got them if we don't take advantage of the first couple innings we're blowing a huge <laughs> opportunity here <laughs> so okay so speaking of gibby gibby's one of those guys that has managed um I know, so how have you avoided becoming the manager in all these years? Um, where where did you get the brains to not take on the, the have not have the ignorance to pick up the pen and write the lineup card? That's impressive. Oh, guys. man. It, it, something's been working. I, I found a way to, to ski myself out of that every single year. It's, we've had a lot of guys who've kind of stepped up, and that's just one thing that I've kind of always said from the get-go. It's like I, I, I just want to play. I don't want to focus on – making the lineup sheet and figuring out who's going to play. Because if, if that happens, I don't think I'm going to want to play. I'm just going to focus on coaching then. And I'm not to that point yet. Maybe I will be in the future. But 
Um, we've had a lot of guys that have stepped up. Like you said, Andy Gibbert, Jimmy Bombeck stepped up for a couple of years, um, and now Justin Pline's managing. And it's a huge – I mean, you understand it. It's a huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also – I guess I've been kind of behind-the-scenes contributor at times. There, there's many text messages like, who should we start here or there? And, and I don't mind doing that. That's a lot easier. So that if we make the wrong call, it's not on me. It's on whoever the manager is, right? So, so right. That's, a, that's a win-win for me. But – it's just, for me, it's, it's nice to just be able to relax and just play the game because I don't know how the guys do it. I don't know how somebody like yourself can be managing and playing the game at the same time, and I guess I'm not good enough to do that, so I'll let somebody else do it. Well, you talk about you talk about having a scapegoat. It's nice to be able to say, like, yeah, you know, I probably would be twice the player if I didn't have to worry about all this managing and all these things. And guys will say that to you once in a while, and that's when you know you're sucking really bad is when they're <laughs> bringing that up like, <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, if you didn't have to do that, you'd be better. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I would be, I would hit 400. <laughs> exactly. Not yes. Really. I mean, I could, well, heck, maybe I'll say if I was managing, I'd be even a better hitter because I'd be focusing on something else besides hitting that. Maybe that's yeah. going to be my fallback when guys go, your career 240 hitter. So you sucked. <laughs> yeah. Listen, all you managers out there like me who have said this to people over the years, you know, you're lying to yourself and it's okay. Just keep it up. But, uh, we're on to you, you know, we know. <laughs> no doubt. Like, no doubt. <laughs> so, okay. Speaking of all those guys over the years that, and that great leadership, that one thing I've, we've talked about with our, our league, cause we've had a set of managers who have been together for, it feels like forever. It's about the same group of guys. And what's interesting is everybody has kind of a distinct different style of how they like to kind of run the team and run the show. What are and mm-hmm. and none of them are I would say none of them are better than the others. I don't I don't feel like there's any one model. But what are some of the positives that you've taken away um over the years from the different guys who have had to write that lineup card out or run the aces or, or run the show? Yeah, and that's and that's a great point because there there are so many different managing styles and I've been lucky or Red Wing's been lucky where we've got a lot of guys that just let the players play. And I, and that's something I mean, you get to amateur ball you should know what's going on. I mean, a lot of these guys are either college players or past college players, and the last thing you want is somebody to be telling you, hey, you got to change your swing this way, or you've got to got to learn how to feel the ball this way. It's like by that point, we're all kind of accustomed to what we were used to doing. And so to have a coach that just kind of just lets you play the game, and lots of times they don't have to do the, the tips. That's where some of the veteran leadership comes in, where you should be able to rely on the veterans to step in with some of those 18, 19, 20-year-olds and say, Hey, have you ever thought about changing this or working on this? Um, and it gives those managers a chance just to make up the lineup sheet, do the, the behind the scenes stuff that absolutely sucks to do, but it's vital to, to make an amateur team run. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's been the best thing. And it's, and cause the last thing I want is somebody tell me what to do. It's like at this point, I'm not going to change really much. Like I'll listen, but it, at this point, let's, let's, let's just play the game of baseball and, um, and kind of focus yeah. on that more than anything then kind of high school and youth baseball where you're working on drills consistently. And, and that's, I think that's the key piece right there. And I think that keeps guys having fun though, too, because they're showing up and, and if they want help, they'll ask for help. Otherwise they're coming in and they're just saying, tell me where you want me to play, where you want me to hit and let's play the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. Like I have for, for half my life, for the majority of my life. Right. Yeah. Leave it to the, leave it to the college coaches to do the high level instruction and all that stuff. That that's the last thing we want to, 
we want to do. So, okay, there is a wrong way to do it. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, if you're the big thing having, too, you, yeah. Go ahead. You think about the big thing too, though. I mean, summer-wise, you hardly have any time to play or to practice. You're literally playing mm-hmm. every time you get together too. So, like you said, let the college coaches work on that. We, you see this every year too. You see a college kid come back and all of a sudden it's like, where did that swing come from? All my coach has been yeah. working on it all year long. It's like, oh, all right, whatever, man. You keep rolling with what works for you, and mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not going to change that. Let the college guys work on that with their, their supposed coaches, and we're out here to have some fun and compete as, as a team. Yeah, yeah, we'll work on helping you work on the things you want to work on, right? So if you got mm-hmm. a question about something, ask. And then I think the stuff in that's that that we work on in, in town ball culture is how you carry yourself and attitude mm-hmm. and competitiveness. And, and those are different approaches that are kind of universal. Um, For and sure. in a lot of places, they're not necessarily talking about that at, uh, at the college level. Some places they are though, for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. And that's, I wanna, and that's huge oh, too. Yeah. Hey, I want to, uh, so the next thing I want to, I want to talk to you about the, about the app because it's such a cool ballpark. Um, and one of the things I was in awe of that has existed for a long time, you are one of the few teams that I've, I've known that has its own clubhouse down the right field line. Mm. Now I've only, I've been in there once pretty early. I think when um, you and I were maybe just done with college ball or something, or you might've even still been in school, but I, I feel like the room was about, um, a hundred feet wide by a hundred feet long. However, mm-hmm. that's because I was about 20 years old and in complete awe that it existed. <laughs> How big is it actually? Cause it's probably like 10 by 10. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not a hundred by a hundred. I wish it was. We've been, we've been begging the city to, to open it up even more too. And it's, I would say maybe heck is I'm maybe 50 by 50 roughly, but okay. it's big enough where we've got probably 20, 20 lockers in there. We've got a ping pong table, um, speakers and radio. And so it's, I mean, talking about being spoiled, it's, it's awesome. I mean, that's where we, we go before batting practice, after batting practice, but where it's, where it all comes together is after games. And that's kind of a little ha- hangout down there. We've got a bathroom connected to it. And there's been some late nights down there. There's been a lot of Domino's pizzas being delivered at about two in the morning to the clubhouse. Yeah. And, uh, so we're just we're so lucky to have it. It's and that's and there's been so many good memories made down there with just the whole team. It's like all right, who's bringing like the, the cases of beer tonight? And let's just after the game, let's sit down and just have some laughs. And and uh, we're just talking about being grateful. That's where we're super um, appreciative of of what we have. And like you said, not many. I think Measel's got something underneath their their grandstand that's pretty small. Cannon's got a little mm-hmm. little area, but nothing like what we have. And so. So next time you come, now you got to come back again. You got to say, "All right, this is really what it looks like," and we'll we'll let yeah. you fighting fish come in there if, if we play against you guys this year. Yeah, we'll uh, I'll be making that call tomorrow then. Uh, the <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll bring a tape measure. We'll verify those measurements so everybody can get a plan because you know we talk a lot about about just the the culture, not just of town ball, but just of athletics, of people, and socialization and um, how important the culture of your team is to um, its success, the culture of your organization. So having those things that, that bind a group together, like having a place to go afterwards where mm-hmm. everybody can go, right? So there's a lot of teams that will yeah. go down to a watering hole, but then they, you know, the young guys can't, can't go and at least sit and be a part of it. And 
listen to the conversations and, um, mm-hmm. you know, you've got your own place. It's, you know, it's not, you're not doing anything illegal for the young guys mm-hmm. just to sit there and listen. Right. So exactly. um, I think that's all, yeah, that's all good stuff. So that's well, it's fun where, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to touch on it. It's kind of touching on your topic there with everyone hanging out. We talked to some of the young guys and it's like, I'll, you'll ask them, it's like, why, why do you always hang out with us every night? And it's like, they say, we just love to hear the stories. We love to hear the history of the team. We love to hear kind of how you guys all got closer. And so that's huge for the success of a team. I mean, when you got 35 year olds and you got 18 year olds, it's like, how do you bond them together? And how do you find a way to get them to connect? And having that, that area where it's not three guys go here and five guys go there. It's like everyone is there. Um, it's, it's impossible not to grow closer as a team. And, and that's just going to bring more success as a team too. Hey, baseball fans, we're about halfway through the conversation here, so it's time to take a quick break and thank our podcast sponsors. That includes my friends at Aspen Creek Publishing, who helped me publish my own book about town baseball, Beyond the Fence, a fun novel about town ball life based on lies and half-truths from my time around the game. You'll find it on Amazon.com or our website at BaseballCommute.com. You won't find it on Audible, though, because, frankly, I just don't have the patience to read a whole book out loud. Well, here we go. Let's get on to the last half of the episode. Last half of this episode is brought to you by the guy who skips his sister's wedding because you have a league game. The guy who skips his sister's wedding, a true town ball hero. Hey, speaking of heroes, if you're interested in advertising here on the pod, just hit us up at baseballcommute.com. All right, let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, and I, I like what you're saying there too because you you have to be you do have to be intentional about how how you're going to try to connect your 35 year olds and your 19 year olds because it's not going to happen organically. Those guys mm-hmm. are not going to call yeah. each other on the weekend on a non game day to hang out. Like that would be weird um, in most <laughs> cases. Right? I mean, so I, I should sure. say it doesn't happen. I'm sure it happens, but <laughs> it, it would be out of the ordinary, you know. So, but to, but to create those spaces, I think um, the guys from Janesville talked about, you know, having just throwing some barbecues at their place where the whole team would come over. Um, we've mm-hmm. had we've we've done that in River Falls too, where if you just have have a reason, hey, it's a it's a Sunday afternoon barbecue after we're all going to grill out after the game, come on over. It's it's not about throwing a party; it's about creating a space for those guys. For sure. So yeah, yeah. for sure. So now uh, let's talk about the let's talk about the league a little bit. What is the league that you guys are in, and and um, you know for people that don't know some of the teams you play, some of the cool cool things that are going on down there. You bet. Yeah, we. I mean, originally we were in the CCVL, which uh, Class B. We were in that all the way up until three years ago, um, and we finally made the transition down to Class C, and it's it was tough, especially for some of the the old school old timers. Um, we're used to playing against the Dennis's, the Meesvilles, um, Hastings at that time was in B and Northfield, Elko. And so it was a super strong competitive, um, section, but we just struggled. We were, we we're all hometown kids. We don't have a university to draw from and we, we could compete with them, but in a playoff series, there's no chance. We just, we couldn't hold up with a lot of those teams that were able to kind of recruit out of, um, out of their area. And so we moved down to C. Um, three years ago, and so now we compete with Cannon Falls, Lake City, um, Randolph used to be in it before they folded, 
and then um, now Hastings is in it. So there's four of us, and it's just a better fit. It's um, we still play against the Class B teams, which is awesome because it just it helps us kind of gauge how good we actually are or how bad we are. Um, but the C tournament is a completely different feel. I, I didn't know what to expect going into it, and um, it's awesome. I and mean, we play against different teams I've never heard of before. These small towns, and um, so it's, it's been a good change for us. I think it fits us better as a true hometown team. Out of 25 guys on our roster, we've got um, 22 of them are from Red Wing. So that's that's kind of what we want to make as a goal from our team is we want to keep keep the kids from high school coming and joining our team and and having that be the pipeline, which for us it's been huge because it, it brings all the fans. We get we get a ton of fans that come because they know the kids. They know the, mm-hmm. the younger players, the older players. Um, they got family members, and that's what helps basically keep our keep us going without having to pay fees or anything like that. It pays for our umpires. It pays for our uniforms. So that's really worked well for us, um, even though it was a tough transition for some people. Overall, I think it was probably the best thing for our community and for for the Red Wing Aces. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, the wins and – it's interesting that you say that. It's, people would generally say that it's the wins and losses that, that drive attendance. And it's not that you, you can't go out and just get smoked every night that you play at home and have people come back. Um, so there's, yeah. a, like, a, a sliver of truth to that. But I think you're right. I think a lot more of it has to do with connections to the players and accessibility when it comes to town baseball. And that's that's been and, – and I think in – you know, in Class B, did you guys when you guys were up there, did it seem like as other teams were bringing in players from all over? You mentioned that, like, there's kind of that that pressure to to put a good product on the field that was influencing you guys in roster decisions too. For sure, and that's and that's a great great point you brought up there. A great question that we were. I mean, we're always looking for all right. We need to find more pitching. We need to find. Uh, another power hitter and so we were trying to pull guys from as far as we could whatever the radius was um, and there was a time there where we had multiple people that weren't from Red Wing and they'd come in they'd play for a year and then they'd leave um, and then we would miss a high schooler that could possibly be in that position that was like well if I'm not going to play I'm going to go to a Bay City or a Hastings or I'm just not going to play period and so mm-hmm. there's there's some years there where we lost some talent with some kids that could have could have helped us and I mean, we also just kind of made the decision as a as a team with some of the leaders on the team. It's like we we want to win, obviously, but we want to try to develop a good core. And we may not be the the powerhouse in in the division, but we're going to be able to compete. And that's just helped us too. Where it's like, all right, we're not bringing in this outsider who may or may not fit in, or who may take somebody's spot. And how is that going to work, or how are people going to respond? And so it's just it's it's more of that town feel true town, town town ball feel and that's something mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm glad our leadership has kind of gone down that route and, and not gone out and said all right do you have a cousin who lives in another city that can come play for us and we just start pulling different random people from all over the place and, and hope it's hope it works um because right. it had it in the past right and and that's our philosophy is really similar on that with you know, we'll start with our river falls kids and then if anybody wants to bring their buddy from another town um mm-hmm. that's kind of the things that we're like we're okay with that but if if I get a uh, if I get a random email, even is from, actually I'll be honest, I got one last year from a guy. I wish I could remember his name because people would know him because he I think he played over in Minnesota, but he moved up to Hudson, and uh, I forwarded to our guys and I was like, hey, does anybody know this guy? And they're like, no. 
do you think we need mm-hmm. him? I mean, he's not that far away. And everybody said, no, not really. So, okay, I'll yeah. call him and tell him, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give you Chris's number up in Hudson, you know, just be, and yeah. it's not that you want to have a closed system, but you got to kind of protect your, your hometown stuff a little bit. For sure. And you look at the success you've had. I think that River Falls, Red Wing, and Cannon are the three, Cannon Falls are the three communities that I think of just because they're the ones that I've seen that are as close as you get to a true town team where it's, we're going to pull as many of our local kids as we can. And it's not a coincidence that you look at how tight knit that those teams are, um, and just how much fun they have during the games, and and that's important. And and some people may may say that we'd rather win at all costs. Great if that works for you, but it's there's so much more than than just winning every time. And and when you show up to the field, and you're pumped to actually be there, and you're actually pumped to cheer on your teammates because you got a, a true town team feel. That's yeah. huge, and and that that's what makes it fun. I mean, I've had some years where we've won a lot of games and it's just it sucked to go to the field it just wasn't fun and i've also had mm-hmm. some years where we were average 500 and i couldn't wait to get to the field and rest some of the young guys and then give some guys some crap and get crap thrown back at me and that's just yeah. that that was just a different feel where it's like i want to win i want to compete but at the same point i want to have fun with the guys I'm, I'm on the field with and so that's where some teams do it right and, and some i think struggle where you see that turnover each and every year where they're trying to pull in new players and Again, if that if that's what you want to do, do as you as you want wish. But I'm happy that that Red Wing Aces is is more focused on let's build a a true team and a team that's close knit. And a lot of it comes down to the clubhouse nights. It comes down to trips. I mean, we used to do trips to like Okoboji and Brainerd and Milwaukee, and those are stories we're still telling 10, 15 years yeah. later. That it's like, do you remember when this happened or this happened? And some really stupid stuff, obviously, because you put 20 guys together in a long week and there's going to be some dumb stories that come out of it but that was what got us closer where all of a sudden I'm 20 years old and now I'm hanging out with guys 30 years old or yeah. 35 and, and we're we're feeling like true teammates not like he's the guy that I always look up to all the time and I'm scared of yeah and, you know and as far as the dumb stuff goes you're, you're just talking about brain science because the brain doesn't fully develop until 25 <laughs> That's, we believe in science here on this podcast, and, and that's true. So take it easy on your guys who are below the age of 25 because their brains have not fully formed. Um, exactly. I, and okay. sometimes you might have to bump it up to 32. Let's not, let's not, let's be real. I, well, it might have been some yeah, 27, I mean, 28 years where. <laughs> we, we're talking about averages. Yeah, we're talking about averages, <laughs> aggregate numbers. Hey, you know, Josh, you brought up a good point that I want to mention about, about, bringing in talent or ta- or deciding who's going to be on your team or whatever. I think of um, one thing that, that I've learned, I feel like I've learned over the years, but you're a really good example of this. You, you do not have to have a four-year college career to end up being a heck of a ball player and a heck of a town ball player. Now I would, I would put you in this category kind of, because I know you would have had we not had what happened at River Falls, UWRF and had the program drop, you would have had a really good four-year career, and you were, you know, compliment to you. I, I can remember you as a freshman and us being, before we knew we were going to have a team, going <laughs> that first half of the year going, man, this guy is going to be a really great pitcher at, at our level. But then, okay, so now fast forward, though, we go down, I don't know if I saw you for a couple years, and then we go down to Red Wing to play, and you're, like, playing first base and in the lineup. And I, I was probably – I might have been young enough I was still catching. I remember going through the lineup card with our pitcher and being like, 
we could probably get this guy out because he's just a pitcher. So, like, let's not worry about this guy. Because <laughs> at college, you were a PO. And I yep. want to say you hit – you. I'm, I'm maybe exaggerating, but the way I remember it is you hit, like, doubles in your first foot bat. <laughs> and so I don't know what's going on. So you talk about but so that's some of the biases that we bias that we have as managers, right? That A, somebody's gotta have a a four year college resume to be a great ball player or B that those pitchers the the pitcher only guys in college aren't good hitters when actually mm-hmm. they just don't get the opportunities really and that's what happens, right? That's a whole other story. Yep. So as you guys as so my question is, do you have other examples of that from Red, Red Wing like that, where you've got guys who maybe didn't go to, you know, university of whatever, but ended up being really great players for you guys? Well, sure, we have. I mean, I think, I mean, town team baseball, that's that's the that's the best part about it, is you got guys that play high school baseball, and, and they find a way just to compete all those years. And we had a core group of Tyler Goring, um, Andy Schilling, and then Steve Bolt. Steve Bolt was one of the guys that they're all from the same class. Steve went off to play different college baseball. But the other two, Tyler and Andy Schilling, never did. And But they were a core for us for about 12 years where they showed up to every single game. They competed like crazy, and they were awesome um, yeah. amateur baseball players. And But those guys are so important, those guys that are consistently there, that are consistently working hard. Um I'd probably say our team is maybe 50-50 with, with mm-hmm. true college baseball players compared to guys that um, maybe tried to play college ball but didn't cut it and then just came back and played amateur ball. And so much of it just comes back to what's your what's your passion, what's your, your work ethic. And that's what's so awesome about town team baseball is you can sit there and be like, oh, so how many of your guys are college, college baseball players? Two. And the rest of them are just guys that just love to play the game of baseball and and that's that's so important. It's like like you said, I wasn't a, I was a hitter all the way through high school, but when I went to college, I was a pitcher only. And and that's how so many of those guys you see. My cousin Aaron Johnson is another example. I went to Southwest and was strictly just a pitcher and had a great career. Um, but then he came, comes back and he hits 300 every year for us whenever he hits. And he's mm-hmm. a, he's an athlete who just didn't have the chance to hit in in college ball. And so that's cool. And it's something to remember that so many of these guys are true athletes that if they want to do something, they're going to figure out how to do it. And, and that's what's so unique about um, the game of baseball, especially some of these small towns. We have, uh, and we have struggled over the years too with guys who are pitcher only at, and, and I, I feel like we're, we still struggle with this with guys who were go to college and are pitchers only. And then they come back and they want to hit, but then you, you, you don't have a consistent place you can put them in the lineup. And if you haven't swung a bat all winter, and because I remember the way I'm, I'm sure practices are better than the way we had them back at UWRF, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure did we did we practice after we found out we we're getting cut? I don't I don't remember I, doing anything but just enjoying every day with with yeah. I think it became my hand. yeah. It became a lot more town ball once uh, once that happened. But the but the <laughs> but at so at practice like when you're when you're not picking up a bat and you're not allowed to practice hitting and you see all the other guys out with some guys, they just come back and they struggle right away. And they're really Mm -hmm. a couple of steps behind. And so for those guys who didn't have that opportunity, you have to have enough, enough at bats for them 
and time for them to catch up. And we've, we've just struggled with that with a few different guys. And I can, I won't name names, but I can think of at least one guy who was a great pitcher and would have been a great town ball player. And because of the way our roster was, was at the time, we didn't, we didn't allow him to hit. There wasn't that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he really lost interest in it and isn't playing anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's probably many reasons for that, but I'll always wonder is if we could have just got out of the way a little bit and gave the guy more opportunity, would he still be throwing a baseball? Cause he was made to throw a baseball. The kid is great, but. Yeah, but again, yeah, it's hard not hard not to put a label on some of those kids. Though, there's some of those athletes. It's like if they're such a good pitcher, do we just have them just pitch? Is that more valuable? Um, so, but is there a way to keep them engaged? Like you said, though, and it's case by case. I think more than anything with yeah. those situations, are they somebody that you can tell they want to hit? Well, can we find them some DH at bats or something? But it's hard. It's a numbers game. You only have nine nine players to hit and. And what do you do in those situations? And that's tough. But pitching, I mean, pitching is yeah. huge though. If they're a pitcher, it's like, I want you to focus on pitching because you'll never have too much pitching in, in amateur baseball. Yeah. You can only play as many games as you got pitchers for. Okay. Exactly. Um, yep. Totally switching gears. No segue, but another thing that popped in my head that I can't get off this conversation, Josh, without asking you about on behalf of everyone who has played in the outfield in Red Wing, please tell me about the person. Um, the woman who sits up there and heckles all of us. She oh, that'd be <laughs> awesome. She is awesome. Let's go, Aces. Yeah, that'd be yeah. that'd be Donna Donna Geary, and she is she is our number one fan. And heck, she's been there yeah. one year longer than me, so she's going on twenty two years, and she literally attends eighty five ninety percent of her games, home and away. Mm-hmm. First first one at the field. She's the first person there. And she shakes all of her um, batting practice balls that go over the fence, not home runs because we hit from the corner. So uh, I'm not trying to say that we hit a lot of home runs by any means. We're, we're a station-to-station team is what we are. But um, she's, a, she's a rock star. She's our number one fan. And funny story with her, with Donna Geary. I mean, everyone knows her. So, like, when she's not there for a game, people come to first base and they'll ask me, they're like, where's that crazy lady at? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, Donna, Donna, she had to work tonight. She had to miss. But – we had a game in Eau Claire probably 14, 15 years ago. We're driving. We're about an hour on the road. And also we realized, shoot, we forgot the batting helmets. We called Donna, who was leaving a little bit after us. She turns around, goes back to Red Wing, grabs the helmets, drives all the way back to Eau Claire. And we had to go like one inning wearing the, uh, the Cavaliers helmets. And she shows yeah. up running up with a bag, so excited to help the team. Throws them out there, and she hung out on her bench with us for the rest of the night, and it's just it made her day. And so she's she's a rock star. I mean, everyone knows who she is. If you've ever been to Red Wing, you hear Donna yelling. Sadly, the outfield um, bleachers got removed. She's now along the third baseline, so right behind the yep. visitors' dugout. So you could hear that all game long if you're coming to our game, if you're playing against us. Yeah. I mean, how could they do that? How could they remove – like, that had to have been part of the discussion before they removed those outfield bleachers, right? To go, this is where – I mean, this is my first experience with Donna, was playing center field for the Spring Valley Hawks when we came went down there. And I'm like, I we I looked over at our right fielder because we Donna is just riding us about how bad we are. 
and how we are not going to get any outs in this game. And I remember looking at the other outfielder, and I was like, she is dead right right now. We are going to get smoked tonight. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> how does she know this already? <laughs> she, heck, she says that to every team. We'll, we'll get 10 yeah. runs, and she's still staying on the first few innings. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, no, she's, she's an awesome lady, though, and it's, it's one of those yeah. that she lives right by the field. So she literally walks down, brings her chair. She's got her cooler with her six blue yummies. For every single home game, and she that just it makes her day, and she loves being a part of the team, which is which is pretty cool too. She got on TV this last year when Channel uh, Nine was down, so she oh, doesn't think she's a celebrity. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, she is a celebrity. I mean, and it and it is it it adds it adds just another element of character when you go down to Red Wings. So um, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I I don't know. Our I, every dugout is different. Our conversations in the dugout. Always, so we've had always had a lot of fun with it, and we appreciate it. And hopefully, that's the attitude that that most guys take. So, um, when you yeah, go to different sure. parks and you run into different stuff, so. But how can we talk about Red Wing Aces amateur baseball without me asking you about Donna? So that's yeah, for sure. Cool. And I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. So, all the managers listening, if you're looking for an away game, look us up on Twitter, and and you can come experience Donna yelling over your dugout and constantly yelling yep. let's go aces and her voice cracking nonstop but she won't stop even if we're down by a bunch she'll still be screaming the entire game yep yeah um and i can remember and she would and i and i will say just so that we don't i i don't want us to paint the picture that she's like a complete person because she is not at all like when we came mm-hmm. down to um she was in rs um came to a game there and that was a game where ty buck hit a home run that's still circling the earth uh, in the first yeah, game. No, I don't think that was a bomb. You, yeah, you were there that day. Okay, or else you've just heard. I was, about I, was on, I was on, I was on, I was on third base at that time, so I literally uh-huh. just watched it just go straight over my head. I'm like, that is, it was, that's, that's out of here. It was, it's the farthest home run hit in uh, the history of that field so far, um, other than when the St. <laughs> Paul Saints came to take batting practice. So, um, oh, yeah, but anyways, I remember having just a nice conversation with her down the left field line when I went down there because she was sitting down there and just seems like a really good person. So, yeah, she's um, a sweet lady. Yeah. So, okay, last question. Uh, are, you know, I'm trying to pay attention to the clock here since I'm just sitting with hockey practice, but uh, what are we excited <laughs> about for Aces baseball and the league next year and everything else? What's on the docket? Well, oh, heck, well, I hope we have a normal year. Obviously, I think every team's kind of thinking that, and that'd be great. But we just, we've just we got a good core. We've got a lot of kids in college right now, and we've got a lot of guys that, I mean, every – Every good amateur team, if you can get a core of six, seven guys that come to every single game, um, that's huge. And we've got that. We've got a lot of young guys that are there. They're there early. They're ready to play. And so it's it's always fun when they come back from college to see just what their development is and see how much better they got. But more than anything, kind of like we, what we talked about earlier, just how much more mentally strong they got, how much more knowledgeable they got about the game of baseball, that's always the best thing. And that's something I look forward to each and every year is just seeing, all right, Who's me that guy that surprises us and is faster, quicker, and stronger, but also gets the game, understands taking extra bases and understands approaches at the plate and things like that. So we just got a solid group. We got um, Aaron Johnson, got Tommy John surgery for the second time. So that's a huge loss for us. That's a guy that's going to throw us 60 innings and, and be our number one ace. So somebody else is going to have to step up, and, and that's the game of baseball. So, just excited to get back out there and play again. I mean, heck, with it being December here right now, I'm sure you're already getting the itch too. It's like I just I want to get out and play. I want to play the game of baseball. Yeah. I want to 
run around on the green grass and and have some late nights and just enjoy some good town team baseball. Yeah, just looking forward to be back with those teammates. It's funny that, that you say that too. I hadn't thought too much about that, but you, you every year you see those those young guys grow up just a little bit more, and it's it's kind of fun to watch. You're right, and it, you're yeah, right. Everybody's got the itch right now. We got a, a I don't know. We use GroupMe to to talk on our team. I don't know. Everybody's got a little different app they use or whatever. But one of the guys yeah. who's in college definitely posted a picture of his mullet last night, and it led to about a two and a half hour <laughs> text conversation that that we as uh guys I'm I'm staring down forty uh next week. I appreciate being included in these text conversations with the, <laughs> listening to the twenty three year olds, twenty two year olds be idiots with each other. So yeah, Exactly. Right. It just takes you back to the old days. Yeah, it does. It does. Well Josh, thanks for coming on the commute tonight and uh best of luck to the Aces this summer. Yeah, no one get down there. Yeah, I appreciate it. Let's make sure let's look for we should get a home away again. We always love coming to River Falls and we haven't had you guys down to Red Wing for a couple of years here now, so it'll be yeah. good to good to get you down there, and we can see which one of us pulls a hamstring first. Oh, it, yeah, it, you know it will be me, and I know you will <laughs> say something to me about it, and we will laugh about it. <laughs> Pretty much, I will. If yeah, if we play you guys this summer, if we get the chance to, I probably just will make sure I'm not in the lineup that day, just for my own safety. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds good, right, Jack. Josh. Well, always great chatting with you though, and happy holidays to you and your family. Yeah, you too. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you, Josh. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of the Small Town Commute. If you liked what you heard, do us a favor and share the podcast with fellow ball players. You can send them to our website at baseballcommute.com. I'm always looking for guests and great conversations, so if you've got a suggestion or you just want to call and talk baseball, shoot us a line at baseballcommute at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and thanks for what you do for amateur baseball, wherever that might be. Like you're out at the old ball game.